This is another iRaw podcast. My name is Katya and this is The Animal That Changed You. I believe loving an animal is one of the most accessible, most available portals for self-healing in the whole world. It's my privilege to encourage you to open your heart to animals and challenge you to deepen your compassion just a little bit more. Welcome to The Animal That Changed You. Welcome to a special crossover episode of The Animal That Changed You. My name is Dr. Scott Weinman. And I'm Dr. Mike McClenahan. And we are guest hosting Katya's podcast today. Yeah, we have our own podcast called The Vets Unleashed, where we talk about all things veterinary medicine. <laughs> and, and I've known Katya for, oh my gosh, 10 years or something like that. Just have known her for a really long time from doing writing and and comedy and and such here in Los Angeles. And so, and she's been on our podcast. She has several times. She was on our Dr. Google podcast where we challenged my friend Kathy and then Katya to, you know, figure out the diagnosis based on Google and see how close they came. And she honestly did very well. She's she's a smarty smart. She is. Do you think in some way our podcast perhaps inspired her to start her own? I don't think in some way. I think it absolutely did. I think without the Vets Unleashed, Scott, (laughs) there would be no animal that changed you. There's 100% no way, no going back from it. That's definitely what it was. (laughs) (laughs) That's Well, I I agree, Mike. And I think um, (laughs) it's interesting that this whole concept of crossing over and and taking responsibility for her podcast. Uh-huh. Obviously, I've listened to quite a few of her podcasts, mm-hmm. and it's sort of an awesome responsibility, isn't it? We don't want to oh, let yeah. it down. I've been really nervous about this all week. Like, <laughs> okay, what am I going to say? I got to listen to another one of hers and, and see how it is. And I've known her for many years, known all of her animals from that time too. So yeah. not only a friend, but I was her veterinarian as well, took care of many of her animals. And so the thought of taking this over was just, it's a little bit terrifying. So everybody, we're going to do our best to be just as entertaining as Katya. I might not be as kind of crazy as Katya, but you know. No, you're you're more crazy than than Katya. (laughs) Thanks, I I can vouch for that. Maybe that's why we like each other so much. <laughs> you know, we're we're not going to be uh, we can't be her, but we can be ourselves and okay. uh, contribute to her show. And we'll <laughs> we will do our best here. Uh, you know, when we talked about this and how we could bring a unique perspective to the animal that changed you, you know, I remember you saying maybe we could talk about not only the animals that changed us, but some stories about the patients that changed us over the years. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know it'll be interesting because we're going to have Katya take over the Vets Unleashed, right? Mm -hmm. Because we talk about all things veterinary medicine, and it's really what we're geared at is other veterinarians, veterinary students, and, you know, uh, paraprofessionals. And I think it's going to be great to hear what the perspective of of Katya, who is a client, is going to be. Mm -hmm. What what does she think about veterinary medicine? And hopefully what we'll be able to do here is give all of, you know, her listeners an idea of what it's like to be a veterinarian and not just the like day to day, hey, this is what we do, giving shots and playing with puppies all day, because that's all we do. <laughs> <laughs> but also like, you know, the emotional, you know, life of a veterinarian. Interestingly, there's a lot of overlap because it really is about the human animal bond. 
in those relationships mm -hmm. um, and the animals that changed us, whether they were patients or, or our personal animals as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, do you have a personal animal that changed you? How did you, how did you pick one? Cause I think, I assume you're like me, who's had many, many, many animals. Yeah, I have, and I've loved all of them and they've all changed me. So it's, it's hard to choose just the one, but I would say the animal that probably changed me the, the most, my soul animal, if you will, was mm -hmm. my first dog that I adopted in vet school, Osa, who you, you might remember. Yeah. Mm -hmm, she was sure. jet, jet black, so black that she would have like the sheen of blue mm -hmm. go through her coat. She was a little um, American Eskimo chow mix, mm -hmm. about 30 pounds. Yeah. And I love that dog. She lived to be over 18 years old. She had four legs for most of her life and three towards the end. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was just absolutely just, a you know, that connection from veterinary school where we would come home from anatomy labs and yeah. you know go palpate your dog to see where <laughs> is that muscle really there where is yeah. the patella yeah where does it sit when an animal's standing i mean she put up with so much um, yeah you know with three veterinary students living in that house <laughs> to the end where i think my my favorite story about her was after she passed i had lived in this condominium at the time when when she had passed when she was 18 in seattle that i uh, was my condo and there were these big heavy doors and for whatever reason osa was her name which means mm -hmm. bear in spanish osa was just terrified of these big heavy doors and so i would hold the door i would do almost like this ballet because there were two of them right so i'd hold yeah. the door open Mm -hmm. and then reach for the next door but i had to keep the door and she would look at me it was like this little connection we had um <laughs> you know to make sure i had the door so it wasn't going right. to slam on her and so she would run through and then stop and then wait for me to do this and i would do this little twirl and open the second door and she would run in <laughs> and after she passed um, you know she again she it was uh, she had a a bladder tumor uh, mm -hmm. transitional cell carcinoma and it was it went from nothing yeah. on an ultrasound one week to she's dying the next yeah. week. And I yeah. had put her to sleep in Colorado at a friend's practice. It was probably a year after before I realized that I was still doing that ballet with the doors, even though oh. she'd been gone for a year. Mm -hmm. And I never questioned, you know, why am I still holding these doors open for no one? <laughs> And why am I twirling? <laughs> and, and yeah. I realized, and it just, when it hit me, you know, I just got really sad. I missed her because here yeah. I was doing this just simply for a um, year out of 18 years earlier, all these years of, yeah. of that being a habit and, and yeah. how ingrained she was in my day to day, even though uh, she'd yeah. been gone. But she, was gone but, but she was still with you, right? She was still with me, of course. Um, you know I mean, cause you're holding the doors for her. Yeah. She was still yeah. there, still affecting me and changing me, even though she'd been gone mm -hmm. for a while. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. I could just see you like doing the ballet, like one leg sticking. <laughs> I have, I have a picture of you, like there's two doors and like you have one leg sticking out, holding a door open. Oh yeah. And the other arm out as far as you can go, sort of like, a, you know, doing a full scale with your, you know, leg out and you yeah. Know, yeah. Cause she, the, she needed to know I was in front of the door. Yeah. You know, there had to be a piece of me that was still in front of the door or she would just stand there and go, yeah, like, no, I don't feel safe. I'm, nope. I'm going to wait. <laughs> I'm going to wait till you have this secured. <laughs> can you, can you yell clear? <laughs> yes. 
Dr. Mike, how about you? What uh, what was your personal animal that changed you? I had, I had a, I mean, every animal I've had has changed me in some way for sure. The one I have, you know, the closest, you know, that is still with me to this day was Barney. Again, through vet school, because, you know, we, we know each other from vet school. We've known each other for 30 years. I had Barney from the time I was 14 until I was 30, 13 or 14 until I was 30. Wow. If you think about that, that is a lot of life. Yeah. You know, that's that's just getting into high school. That's going to undergrad, to vet school, getting out of vet school, getting married. I mean, through mm -hmm. all of that, Barney was there and he slept, you know, every night, slept right in my like in my arm. So he was there that whole time. Barney was a cat. Barney was a cat. Yeah, okay. I didn't tell you that. Okay, thank you, Scott. I don't think I knew Barney. So as, oh, as long he, as I've known you, I don't, yeah. Yeah, Barney was not, I mean, he, you know, stayed inside because he was a cat. And right. yeah, not to, I lived, through vet school, I lived mostly um, alone in a little, tiny little basement apartment. So I didn't mm -hmm. often have guests over because there wasn't enough room. <laughs> have guests right. over it was a terrible place <laughs> it was but it was me and barney and you know every once in a while somebody would come over and like hey barney but he i actually got him i remember this I, and i might have told this story on the vets unleashed but i got him i must have been in eighth grade because i had this cat this little gray fluffy cat that i named hacker and i had him for about six months and he died of you know, what I'm assuming now is, you know, like uh, hemobart, which isn't hemobart anymore, mycoplasma, which is a blood-borne disease uh, parasite that can cause anemia in cats and they can die from it. It's it's really serious. And I'm assuming that's what he had because I, I never found out I was young at the time. And he passed away in like December. And then a few months later, the small town vet that I had um, that was a good friend of the family called up and said, hey, if you're ready, we've got some cats here that need homes. And I think you'd be a good one. And I always remember how loved that made me feel. You know what I mean? Like yeah. she was the vet in town. She wasn't, you know, what is she thinking of me? Some kid, you know what I mean? But she knew how devastated I was that I had mm -hmm. lost Hacker. And oh. so, and my mom tells this story that there were like three little orange kittens there and they all came from a barn somewhere, right? Which is how he got his name, Barney. So he was born uh -huh. in a barn. <laughs> And she said, there were these two little cute ones sitting there. And then there was this one at the back with these two big ears and the, like missing some hair by its, you know, on its temple. And I, of course, picked that one. She's like, are you kidding me with this? I picked the ugliest cat there. And, you know, honestly, I bonded with him right away. I don't think he bonded with me right away. Hmm. He was definitely sort of the barn cat that was like hiding out a little bit. And, you know, the first couple of days ran into our basement and wouldn't come out. And I had to put food. So out. it was, it was kind of like when we first, first <laughs> it wasn't an initial bonding, but over time, he over grew to time. Love yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. And then, you know, over the years, I just, you know, I stayed with him and he passed away from kidney disease. And mm -hmm. so he, you know, and actually, you know, well into my veterinary career, three or four years in and uh, well, five years in. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking that he had uh, an overactive thyroid and testing him for his thyroid. And it, the test came back high. And at the time I was living in upstate New York near Cornell. So I said, all right, I'm going to send him over to Cornell for scintigraphy, which is where they actually, you know, put the dye in the in and try to find out exactly 
where all the thyroid tumors are so that we can, mm-hmm. you know, really diagnose it and come up with a dose for treatment and everything. And it sure. turned out not hyperthyroid. The test mm-hmm. was wrong. So another thing that I learned there from him as a doctor as well was, you know, you can't just go by one test. No. Sometimes you have to do multiple. Sometimes you have to do multiple tests. Did he have clinical signs? Of, he of did. Hyperthyroidism? He okay. was losing. Well, he was losing weight. Sure. And but that turned out to be due to the kidney disease. The renal failure. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so he um, when he went into his acute phase of his you know, of his renal failure. I had him hospitalized for a week on IV fluids to flush out his kidneys. And then I brought him home and was doing fluids under the skin every day. And I remember it was the middle of the summer and I would take him into the shower, into the bathroom, and I would run cold water in the shower so that it would cool things off for him. And then one day he just, you know, was it one night he wasn't doing well. And the next day I was like, you know, he couldn't get up at all. And that was, and it was time. So I learned something from as both a doctor and as a human being from him. It is very interesting, you know, hearing what we're saying now through the context or the lens of a podcast that's about, you know, people and, and mm-hmm. their and their animals that, that have changed them. We, we definitely go into veterinary mode sometimes. We yeah. go into doctor mode and we start. And right? so with the acute renal yeah. failure, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we, we don't talk about the, our beloved, furry family members the same way that probably non-veterinarians do. That's funny. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He had three legs and then he had two. Yeah. We both did that, didn't we? (laughs) You know, maybe it's a way of not having to actually talk about our feelings. (laughs) When we get too emotional. Yeah. Unlike Katya, who clearly is... Yeah, much better about speaking about her feelings than either yeah. of us are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh. which is probably why I love her so much. You know, she's like, "But how did you feel about that, Doctor Mike?" <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting that you know we're going to talk about the patients that saved us, and when I think about the examples that I have, mm-hmm. they're both cases where there was a really strong emotional connection, even though it was a very medical you know, way that we met these patients. Um, mm-hmm. the, they are truly, I guess most of, both of my examples are dogs, but mm-hmm. uh, certainly there have been plenty of cats as well and ferrets and mm-hmm. bunnies and other other animals over the years that I've, I've just felt a really strong connection to that sort of supersedes the, mm-hmm. the medicine. Right, right. Um, so your patient, do you have a patient that changed you? And tell me how you felt about that. Yeah. Like dig into the deep feelings, Scott. I want to hear. I will do my best for Katya. Maybe, I will do maybe my cry best a little bit. into the feelings. I was getting emotional when I was holding the door open. You I couldn't see too. it, but I was like, oh, this, I mean, I don't want to, I, I need to stop talking about it. I don't want to this, talk about it anymore. This tears at my heartstrings. It's terrible. All these years later, I yeah. still have, I still have pictures of Barney up, so it's okay. The only other time I've cried on our podcast was our diversity episode when I was talking about Michelle Obama <laughs> and I got a little teary there too, but, uh, and, uh, oh no, no, it was Kamala. It was Kamala cause they had just gotten elected and oh, what yeah. that means for, you know, young girls, uh, young mm-hmm. women who are seeing that, uh, a person that looks like them in a, in a position of authority. See, yeah. that was my, that was my other emotional moment. Yeah. You sound um, very emotional, Scott, <laughs> but I will remember one of the, the animals that really that I bonded with and, and just, um, you know, I, I still carry with me to this day was a dog named Goldie Little John. 
Goldie was the dog's name, and she was a mm-hmm. golden retriever mix that was rescued from a, a shelter. Her owners were just lovely people. And it was a situation where I was a brand new vet, not a year out of vet school. So I really mm-hmm. felt like, um, you know, how much do I contribute? I'm learning more than I'm contributing, right? Right. And I came in and I, I was transferring a patient over and, and it was Goldie Littlejohn. She was about three years old at the time, if I remember correctly. And the doctor who gave her to me said, she's been to another veterinarian. They came here for a second opinion. This is a really, really sick dog. And, and most likely what you're going to end up doing is just euthanizing her. We don't know what's going on. And she's in pain mm-hmm. and suffering, right? Mm-hmm. So she's on pain meds and the owners are going to come in today and decide what to do. And it was sort of my first victory as a young veterinarian because I looked at the chart and instantly I thought about a diagnosis that wasn't on the differential list. Mm-hmm. So you looked and one of her blood proteins was very, very high. <gasps> Oh. And I thought, I think this dog has multiple myeloma. And it's one of those, it's, I've only diagnosed one case of multiple myeloma yeah. in dogs my whole career. And it was Goldie Littlejohn. Yeah. So, you know, of course, a, a differential list is, you know, as doctors, we do yeah. an exam, we look at the blood work and the x-rays, and then we determine what are the, you know, differentials or the, what are the possible things that may be causing this? Yeah. Right. And no one in this younger animal had written cancer, specifically this type of cancer. So I started taking, you know, full body films, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So multiple myeloma can grow in bone and in the spine. And I found a couple spots, one in a femur and one in the spine where the cancer had eaten away at the bone Wow. and sent off some additional testing to confirm that it was multiple myeloma. And what, by the time the owners came in, they were ready to euthanize. They'd had a second opinion. You know, mm-hmm. Multiple vets had looked at their dog. And I said, I know I'm a brand new vet. Um, yeah. I know I'm young, but I think I know what this is. And I think this is something that potentially we can treat. Are you willing to give me a bit more time? And, you know, it, it was just such a success because the veterinarian who had transferred the case to me mm-hmm. had ended up, you know, going on vacation. So he was gone for a couple of weeks. And right. by the time he came back, um, we had started a chemotherapy protocol. She was in remission. Um, wow. It was a different dog, happy, healthy. And she, you know, multiple myeloma is one of those tumors that when properly diagnosed, uh, and treated, they can have really long extended periods of remission before the disease recurs. Yeah. And so for Goldie, it was two and a half years. Well, you know, probably every four to six weeks towards the end of complete blood counts mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, continuing to monitor as she was on this chemotherapy regimen. And that's something for people who are listening to a lot of chemotherapy in animals is mm-hmm. not, you know, it's, 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 it's not hard on them. A lot of people no. think of like, oh, chemotherapy is going to be one of those things. That's, I don't want my animal to go through that. But most animals feel better yeah. when they go on the chemotherapy. And it's about quality of life. It's about yeah. keeping their quality of life high. So it's mm-hmm. not like uh, our ex- our experiences, you know, with my with my brother and my father who both died of, of very aggressive terminal cancers. You know, the chemotherapy arguably may have been the thing that, that mm-hmm. killed them. It's, it's terrible to think that they lived through that in right. an effort at all costs to cure. Yeah. Um, and that's not the way we approach veterinary oncology. It's about quality yeah. of life. And, and Yeah, and certainly, Scott, Goldie felt better. 
Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it was just such a, you know, every time she came in, she was my victory. She, and you know, and she was so, such a good dog too. Like just a kind, sweet dog. You know, it it really is true. Don't you find that sometimes the worst things really happen to the best animals? Yeah. And so how did that like change things? Like, uh, how did that stick with you? Well, I think other than other than going like I did something great, which you know you did. That was pretty yeah. amazing. Not an easy diagnosis. I think it makes me look differently at every young veterinarian that's there because we all come into huh. every clinical case with a different history, and maybe you know maybe they just saw a difficult case in veterinary school that they won't right. see again, or here it is, and and I don't think of it, and they did. I mean, it, I think it just enforced the fact that. In this profession, we all bring our own perspectives and views. Mm-hmm. And, and it's another reason why, you know, diversity matters and that everybody that's sitting around that case has mm-hmm. contributions that may be the thing that, that leads to a successful outcome for that patient. Hmm. Respecting everybody around the table. Yeah. And, and Including, I think, sometimes the owners. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like I tell people all the time, I may be an expert on dogs, but you're an expert on your dog. On, on this dog. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> On that dog. That was my dog who that never dog. barks. She, you know, this is Daisy, who's another animal that changed me. And she, yeah. she's like a working dog. Not uh-huh. really, but she likes to, you know, she works with me in my office. Yeah. And it's literally like, you know, it's a whole ritual before yeah. I start my day at the computer. If I'm working from home, you know, she has to be there right by my side at my yeah. feet. Like we're going to work now. Yeah. We've been doing our podcast for a couple of years now. I think that's the first time I've heard her bark. Yeah. <laughs> she was, you know what she was saying? She was just there. Go. She heard you telling a story about another dog and was like, hey, I think I am the number one dog here. I'm the dog that changed you. <laughs> I am the dog that changed you. <laughs> Daisy, I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in for it, Daisy. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. I mean, I just, I had a really hard time thinking of like one patient that changed me and that's, you know, and also a lot of them are, are failures, you know, things that did not go very well. Like I thought about the cat that was coughing one or two times and we went to take x-rays just to see if anything was going on in lungs and the stress of having the x-rays taken, it went into respiratory failure and died right there. And it had like no lung left. It was, it had such bad pneumonia. And that will always remind me that coughing cats are often a serious thing. You got to check that out. Don't, don't let that go. Cats Um, don't usually cough. That's something that people often don't know. And so you're looking at asthma which is is often a a medical emergency Mm -hmm. or something even more serious right so so i think of that one and i mean i saw that cat for all of you know 20 minutes and but now from that time on forever and ever whenever a coughing cat comes in i'm going to recommend an x-ray just because that will stick in my head forever and Um, reminding people just to be extra gentle and and kind oh and sure and that's something with an audience like katya's Mm-hmm. who are mostly non-veterinarians, I yeah. think always a good reminder to remember that what brought us to this profession, nearly all of us in this profession is just yeah. that that love of animals, just really supporting and elevating the human animal bond and mm-hmm. and being an advocate for those pets. So certainly yeah. when we get bad outcomes, it, it, it's hard for us too, that it's not yeah. our animals, but it's our patients. And it can really be a difficult thing to see our... Yeah clients hurting uh, Mm -hmm. if there's been a loss or certainly if there's ever a miscommunication. I mean, what drives 
mm-hmm. nearly every single veterinarian I've known in my career is just that love and, and respect of animals. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think of the vet that found Barney for me and how, mm-hmm. how great I felt about that. And that was probably, I mean, I'd always kind of wanted to be, I was one of those kids always wanted to be a veterinarian that probably solidified it for me right there. I was like, I could make somebody feel as good as she made me feel like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I want to do. And I still, yeah. to this day, Scott, I was talking to my old roommate and we were talking about, oh, it's Monday. And he's like, hey, I got to go back to work. And I was like, no, no, I actually, I actually like going to work. I like mm-hmm. my job. Yeah. I like the people I work with. I like what I'm doing. I like helping the animals out. It's interesting. So yeah, I got a yeah. I had a pretty good job. Yeah. Well, and it, it does make you proud of our profession when you think about the number of animals that have changed people, mm-hmm. that there was more quality of time, more quality time with their families yeah. because of what we do. That drives us as much as, you know, yeah. the fact that medicine is interesting. You know, prolonging that relationship. For people to spend as much quality time with their pets as they can um, is a pretty special thing that we do. Yeah. Yeah. My patient, I had two patients that I really thought of that changed me. Mm -hmm. And they were both pretty early as well. And one, I don't know, I might have told you about this one, Scott, but this dog belonged to one of my best friends in the area I was working up in Northern California, Dave. And this was his dog. And we'd gone rock climbing and camping together. And so I knew this dog very well. When we went camping, it would sleep with me. And it had mm-hmm. had it had, had a couple of intestinal surgeries because one time it had gotten hit by a car. It had all these things. Well, it wasn't doing very well. It came into me and it needed surgery again. It looked like there was something blocking up the intestines. Mm-hmm. And so to save them money, because I knew they were you know, a new couple and didn't have a lot of money, I said, I can do this surgery. And my ex-wife, who's a veterinarian, will do the anesthesia and we'll do it after hours and we'll do it on the cheap for you. You you know where I'm going, right? right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to help them out. And I get in there and it is uh, what's called a diverticulum. It's a big sack of, you know, a bubble that has come off the intestine and I need to take that out of there. And it's right at a place where the large intestine and the small intestine meet. So it's putting a big (laughs) tube and a little tube together. And I just remember my ex-wife looking at me going like, how are you going to do this? What are you going to do? And I'm looking at him thinking, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I was terrified at that time because I love this dog. Well, this is a, yeah, I was just going to say, this is a dog that you already love and have a relationship with which can make it difficult. There are times where... Yeah. And it turned out okay. I did the surgery and and got through it. But I, from that time on, (laughs) have been much more eager to refer things out, especially if I'm really close to it. I Mm -hmm. will seek help of somebody else. And because I will always remember that it turned out okay. Hopefully Dave will not listen to this. So he will never know how... terrified I was. How perilous and, it was. And and how much my ex-wife was like, you can't do that. You're not, what are you doing? You're not, you can't do that. And it, it turned out okay, but not because I was really, really good, but because I think I was lucky and I yeah. don't, I'm not going to, I'm never going to do that again. Well, and there's a very real thing that veterinarians, veterinary technicians that we all know and recognize, mm-hmm. which is if something's going to go wrong, it's likely to happen when it's your friends or family's oh, pets and yep. you're just stepping in to help. Yeah. Uh, far more likely to go wrong than if it's just a typical intestinal surgery that comes mm-hmm. into a practice. Yeah. Yeah. The other one was very early as well. And it was the mm-hmm. first service dog that I ever took care of. Oh, its yeah. name was Met and the owner had MS. Met, like the like the Met Gala. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And the dog, the owner had uh, MS and mm-hmm. was in a wheelchair. And she and I became, you know, good friends because I was taking care of the dog. And then it started having seizures. And, mm. you know, a lot of times if a dog has a seizure, we won't treat it right away. You know, it can have a seizure once a year or twice a year. And we don't yeah. we don't necessarily have to treat that right away. We just let them have one or two seizures because they, they aren't driving anywhere. You know, they don't need to go anywhere. <laughs> so it's OK. But for this dog, it wasn't OK. Right. You know what I mean? Because because her life was dependent on this right. dog. When he when he needed to be working, he needed to be there. Always. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so I just remember feeling the the weight of that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. like just how much how much more of a, a responsibility I had there. And mm-hmm. uh that was scary too. That well, and also some of the the side effects of the seizure meds you know, is it better to have one seizure a year right. or to have a slightly, you know, obtunded, you know, um, right. l- less mentally responsive uh, dog? That's that's a very right. delicate balance. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So after the first one, we ended up not putting the dog on seizure medication and just monitoring it. And it did okay. It only had like one or two more seizures in the time I knew it. But, you know, I went through all of those things. Put it on seizure medication. Don't put it on seizure medication. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. she's looking to me for the answers. Like I'm yeah. supposed to have the answers. And also and just those relationships. I mean, I've treated service animals from a monkey that could actually dial the phone. And and there was a veterinarian from a zoo who would help me with that animal because I didn't mm-hmm. know how right. to draw blood from a monkey. and. How Just do you the... draw blood from a monkey? <laughs> One poke at a time? Is that how? <laughs> I don't know. It was, it, he was actually trained. So yeah. he would, they would give him like, you know, a treat. And uh-huh. while he was, you know, he would hold out his arm. So they'd actually train oh, okay. him to, okay. for blood collection. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just curious. Okay. But the bonds, oh my goodness. Like we, you know, we all have these strong bonds with, with, with the animals that have touched us over our lives. But mm-hmm. when you consider the bonds that form with service mm-hmm. animals mm-hmm. and the people that, uh, you know, yeah. that, that need that, that service. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's another level. It's really yeah. just a beautiful thing and, yeah. and such an awesome responsibility as a veterinarian to, yeah. to step into that. Yeah. She uh, gave me a coffee mug with their picture on it one oh. Christmas and I still have that coffee mug. Yeah. Keep it I, I still have a book, a gift that was given to me. It's an encyclopedia of dog breeds. Mm-hmm. And it was a dog with a thyroid uh, carcinoma mm-hmm. that that we did chemotherapy on. Uh, there mm-hmm. were no oncologists up in Alaska, and so she Fosdick was her last name. I, uh-huh. I don't Bear Bear was his name Bear Fosdick, oh. and she gave me this uh, book because she knew I loved dogs and she knew mm-hmm. I loved her dog Bear. And yeah. when when his cancer, you know, that was not a chemotherapy protocol that would have no. Um, prevented that cancer or, or yeah. cured it. Yeah. I lost one of my dogs to that kind of cancer too. So really, that's yeah. a rare tumor as well. It seems I, it is. I mean, maybe 10 Two. over the course of 25 years. Yeah. Not very many. Two or no. three for me. Anyway. Mm. Uh, see, there we go. We were starting to feel things. So we started talking. Yeah, we started. <laughs> yeah. We went back to being doctors. What is the actual incidence of thyroid gland adenocarcinoma in the Yeah. So that way I will not have to feel anything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> boop, 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 beep, boop. <laughs> uh, oh. That brings up a question for you. So, <laughs> you know, we're both brought up patients that changes from early on in our careers. Mm-hmm. And certainly, you know, that doesn't mean I haven't had a connection to, you know, 
every other patient I see. And, you know, uh, I just uh, had a dog that uh, I'd seen for, I don't know, eight or 10 years um, that passed away suddenly uh, a few weeks ago. And that one hit me hard, you know. How do you deal with that? And Scott, do you have anything that you do specifically to deal with it when you lose something like that, a patient like that? Well, I mean, we're both from the Midwest. So, <laughs> you know, my uh, ability to deal with feelings is probably not as good. <laughs> I might not be the, <laughs> the, the person to give advice. But I think, yeah. you know, I think for me, what I've learned is, you know, uh, contrary to my upbringing, don't push it down. <laughs> <laughs> and ignore it. You know, if it's it's not a problem, if you don't talk about it, I think just letting the feelings wash over you and experiencing them. Uh, yeah. It's the only way you can move through grief and then really cutting yourself some slack and realizing yeah. that where you are at and how you process grief and loss may be different with every mm -hmm. single one. Mm -hmm. So just, you know, yeah. allowing yourself to grieve and acknowledging it is is yeah. a very important thing. Yeah, I think most vets too, for people that are listening who are not veterinarians, who are mostly, you know, pet owners, veterinarians will not mostly not show emotion in the room during a euthanasia right. or a bad thing, because we're not, we don't need you to be here for us. I just want everybody to know that. I appreciate it when somebody says, oh, this must be hard for you. You know, it's nice that people acknowledge it, but no. do not ever feel that you need to worry about my feelings no. during- when I during that yeah wouldn't you agree when i go into the room for a euthanasia which mm -hmm. you know means true death so it's it's really about giving that animal peaceful and comfortable passing mm -hmm. i'm there first and foremost for the animal mm -hmm. and then for the people yeah because i i do have one more and i i think that i'll i just remember it was the first euthanasia that mm -hmm. i was involved in it was absolutely you know, the right thing. There was no question, is it time? It was an mm -hmm. older English spaniel, black and white uh, English mm -hmm. spaniel named Sunday. Mm. And it was the first time, and this has happened, I mean, probably hundreds of times since then, but that where I was in a room and it just felt a genuine mm. connection. You know, I was there for that dog. The dog knew what was happening and was there with me. Cats too, where I think it's... Um, when you're so tuned in to them, you mm -hmm. realize that they're reaching out to you as well. And it was, you know, whether you call it a psychic connection or, or what, I went on that journey with that dog. And I remember afterwards leaving the room and thinking, because I was a newer veterinarian and there's really an art to that process and leaving the room thinking, you know, was I there enough for the family? Was I too mm. keyed into the dog and not the family? Mm. And then I received a card, a thank you card from the family. And, mm. you know, they were right there with, yeah. with, with Sunday and I on that journey. And they mm. so appreciated how it happened and what we did. So don't you think like people will say to veterinarians, I could never do what you do because mm -hmm. you have to put animals to sleep. But it's yeah. really such a beautiful gift that we give them that, that it doesn't feel like it was ever a burden to me. Do you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I would say that it's never easy. It's never not sad no. to put an animal to sleep. But I'm usually, at least with the patients that I know well, I'm at peace with the decision. And I want, I want my clients to feel that way too, that even, if it, even though it's still sad, even though it's still hard, we all feel like it's the right time. And so yeah. that's, that's what I can say the best about that. Yeah. And we're the advocates for them. So they're also, and I think we've mentioned this on our show before, um, mm -hmm. I practiced in 
Eastern Seattle or East mm-hmm. of Seattle, where there were a lot of Microsoft folks and a lot mm-hmm. of you money. Know, well, a lot of money, <laughs> but also there were some, some specific religions. Oh, you okay. Know, uh, some Hindu clients that just euthanasia was not an option for them. Mm-hmm. And so it was really just an opportunity to to be an advocate for those patients in a different way, mm-hmm. um, because then it was about keeping relieving them pain. comfortable, yeah. relieving pain until the natural process um, happened of death. And so it's different, but uh, mm-hmm. I think, you know, for, you know, that's that we're here to help uh, with yep. that with that process. But we also save lives. You know, that was the other thing people would say, you know, it gets, gets very morose and sad there. And people would say, Oh, you have to uh, put animals to sleep. I'm like, yes, but I save them too. Yeah. You know? I, and I see a lot of puppies and kittens. Yes. And puppies yeah. and kittens with serious diseases that we've, we've saved yeah. and they go on to live long lives and maybe yeah. be that animal that changed someone. And yeah. we, you know, and they had that relationship because of what we did very early on. Yeah. I love it when, awesome. Yeah. I mean, I love it when, you know, maybe I've worked with an animal for a really long time and then, you know, seen them through their passing. And then, you know, a few months later, you know, the owner comes back with another another pet. You know, I mean, they've got a new pet. And I can't tell you the number of times somebody's rescued a dog that's like, you know, middle-aged dog. And it's like the best dog ever. And it's like their next dog after their beloved has passed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm just sitting there looking at it. I'm like, how did this animal end up in a shelter? Like, it's so good. So like, there are so many great animals in shelters. And, you know, I had somebody, this happened, I think it was last week, came in with one and was like, you know, I just think that, you know, my older dog was leaving so that this one could come into my life. You know, I think there is a place for it and the universe provides, you know, it really does. Well, and there's, I mean, even though, you know, we've lost like that, that one animal that changed us, there were so many, there's just an energy in a home. You know, when I Mm -hmm. don't have a cat, it makes me sad. Mm -hmm. I I just, you you know, if I don't have a dog, if you walk into a house, it just feels like something's missing. And so, yeah, I always understood that it, you know, it's not going to be Osa. Um, yeah. my beloved pet from vet school or Abby, my cat who lived to 21. Yeah. Um, but there's always another animal out there yeah. that needs a loving home. And I need, um, yeah. you know, I need them in my life just yeah. as much as they need me. Yeah. Barney may not be sleeping curled up in my arm, but now Zuki is. So mm-hmm. <laughs> there's always, there's always room for another one. In Olive and Ben. Is is yeah. Ben cuddly? Ben's your uh, Ben's, little... Oh, yeah. He, uh, that, and that's another one. Like, he is he is a lot of work. I have a dog that's uh, a rescue, and he's a cattle dog with some anxiety. <laughs> and he is... That's an understatement. Oh, my gosh. Some anxiety. <laughs> and I keep... And I see other people with... You know, Scott, I see people with these, like, dogs, like the one that I saw with a friend that's just this great dog and loves everybody and is so easy dog. And I just think I'm, I'm jealous sometimes. Why do I have... <laughs> This one that's so much work. And I think it's because the universe decides that it needs, that Ben needs to be with me. Because oh, imagine if, if he if were not he had with been me, in a house with kids. Oh, he would be dead. He, he would have bit somebody because he, he would got have afraid and yeah. he might be dead. That is why the universe gave him to me is because I can handle him most he of the time. <laughs> this dog <laughs> needs a veterinarian time. behavioralist. To, oh my gosh. To take care of him. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, this has been a good trip down memory lane. It has. And I think, uh, uh, you know, hopefully we shared enough uh, feelings yeah. <laughs> before we uh, before we went to, down the medical route again and, and yeah. pulled it back. 
and because we're we're just tough guys clearly that's, that's clearly we are tough guys <laughs> tough as nails <laughs> um any and, final thoughts uh, about the patients that change you or um... yeah i mean i think i just you know i think most people who probably share katya's love of animals know this about veterinarians but we love your animals too yeah. very much and while we're there for you, we're we're more over there for them, and uh, we're going to do our best for everybody involved. We're I I just want everybody to feel like we're all on the same team. We all need to be on the same team, and and not just loving those animals, but honoring the relationship and the bond that you have with them. You know, we're not just treating a dog or a cat; we're really treating the love and the bond that that is shared between a family and that animal. Well said. And if you like what we're saying here, you're certainly welcome to check out our podcast as well at The Vets Unleashed. I, I hope you can also find us on social media at thevetsunleashed.com or at The Vets Unleashed on Facebook and Instagram. And Katya will be taking over The Vets Unleashed for us as well. So you could listen to The Vets Unleashed and then maybe also hear Katya. It'll be fun. I'm I'm a little sad that she's going to be on our podcast and we're not going to be there with her. We'll have to we'll have to make sure that we have a time where she is there and she can go, Dr. Mike, Dr. Scott, I just want to tell you how much I love you. <laughs> well, we love her and I hope some of our stories and what we've shared today did justice to what what she's doing with her podcast because we have ultimate respect for her and, and admiration for what she's doing. So absolutely. Love you, Katya. Love you. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to The Animal That Changed You, a weekly podcast that features extraordinary people talking about the extraordinary animal that changed their life. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram at The Animal That Changed You and tell your friends. If you've got a story about an animal that's changed your life, DM me, tell me about it, or, or tag us. We would love to hear. We appreciate you, and honestly, we love your animals so much. Thanks for being here. For more great iRaw podcasts, visit iRawPod.com. That's I-R-O-A-R-P-O-D.com. Oh.